Welcome to the Cleo Orlando podcast. I'm your host, Logan Bonjean, and I'm sitting down with Jake Waltrans today. What's up, Logan? What's Good up, to see you, man. Thanks for hanging with me, man. Yeah, dude. All right, we're uh, we're talking about God's word today. Jake, you gave an awesome talk last week on the importance of not just knowing God's word, but actually doing God's word and how those two things can't be divorced from each other. Uh, and so I'm excited to sit down with you and just talk some more about God's word. I kind of want to hone in just on God's word in particular today. And yeah. in my mind, I came away from that talk super fired up, both to know God's word and do God's word. But I was just thinking through, and I, I think I thought back to when I first started following Jesus. Yep. When I first had the gospel shared with me, I had like no background in church. Mm-hmm. And so between the time that I had the gospel shared with me for the first time and, and actually choosing to follow Jesus, I, I was just like a super logic minded thinker. And so... Mm. I was like, okay, I, I, I recognize that this is asking for all of me and I recognize the commitment that is required if I'm going to follow Jesus. It's He's asking for all of me. And so I, I basically decided I, I have to know that this is actually real before I can jump into this. And so I basically went on like a two-month-long deep dive into the validity of the Bible, the historical person of Jesus, church history, like all of these different things. Oh, wow. Overcame a lot of logical hurdles. Yep. And then was able to step into, man, just God's love for me and was able to step into a relationship with Jesus on the heels of that. And that's not the case for everybody, but for me, for whatever reason. And again, part of it was just not having a lot of background. Yeah, I just definitely. needed to overcome some logical hurdles. And so I thought it would be really cool today to try and jump some logical hurdles ourselves when it comes to specifically God's word and, and even just like the, this idea of the validity of the Bible so that it can just set us up with confidence to, to run with knowing God's word and doing God's word. Yeah, I think that's really good, Logan. I mean, man, if you're going to stake your life on something like the Bible, I think you want to know that it's reliable, that it's something that you can, you know, when you put your faith in it, that it's going to prove true. Yeah. Uh, and and so, man, it's cool to hear your story and just how you dove deep into that. I think some people like naturally are just kind of trusting people Yeah. and can do that. They can make that leap and they can get there and uh, not need much um, proof or, or evidence, evidence yeah. or anything like that. And they just see, they see like, you know, I think the Bible, when you look at it, it's really cool because you, if you start applying it, like you see the fruit of it in your life. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, you see its power, you see its power, you see the life change, you see that life lived according to the scriptures is in so many ways better than what the world's offering us. Mm-hmm. And so intrinsically, like some people can do that and be like, man, this is better. And even if this wasn't true, I'd still want to yeah. do that. But I think there's a whole nother group of people, especially today who want to know, is the Bible trustworthy? Is it reliable? Is it something that has actual evidence backing up or should I just believe it because it's the Bible? You yeah. Know? Right. Yeah, I think that's good. And and I think I think in a lot of ways too, the world we live in right now is a world of subjective truth. And the Bible claims objective truth. The Bible claims of itself, hey, th- this is truth ob- objectively. And we just live in a culture that is, is kind of against that idea, which I think can make it difficult for, for people to run with scripture. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, the way I hear it most often when I'm talking to, to guys is, um, well, that's good for you. Yeah. You know, that's that's your truth. And I'm glad that you have your truth, you know, but I have my truth. And, you know, I always find that 
uh, statement kind of interesting because, you know, if they don't believe that the Bible is true, kind of what they're saying to you is like, well, it's good that you believe something that's totally fake, yeah, you know, right, <laughs> like, right. and I, and, you know, every time I hear that, I'm like, wait, are you, are you calling me crazy? Yeah. Like, cause that's kind of <laughs> what they're doing. Like, and, you know, I know they're not doing that. They're trying to be affirming and yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But if you boil it down, it's kind of like you're saying, Hey, I'm glad you're crazy, but I'm not, not going to be yeah. crazy like <laughs> you, but I'm, you know, I will rejoice in that with you. <laughs> true. True. And it's funny to me when, uh, you, you just laugh at when people say like, there is no objective truth. It's like, do you see the irony in what you're saying? It's like you're making an objective statement in saying that there's no objective truth. Yeah. It, and it's and just interesting. You know, everyone comes at an argument with some kind of basis, like they really believe something. They have some kind of firm conviction. I want to respect that. But at the same time, yeah, you, it's hard to make a contradictory claim like that, that there's no objective truth. There's no absolute truth because then that statement in itself uh, is not true you know, totally. or, and if you're claiming it's true, then you're contradicting yourself. And I don't want to live that kind of life. I want to live a life that's uh, based on something that's absolutely true. I think it makes life better. Jake, all, all in all, you have, you shared a really helpful acronym with me just yeah, to kind of break yeah. down a few different pillars of kind of the validity of the Bible of the way that we can look at the Bible in it, in its trustworthiness and it's, um, historical validity and i would love if you broke down that acronym for us yeah yeah and another way you could put it logan is uh reliability yeah like that's uh, good. you know can i can i rely on the bible um in itself as a historical document you know and and uh, i think that's something that you know if i had three hours on stage i really would have wanted to touch on but uh you just you can't fit all that into one talk and plus not everyone's interested in that some people yeah they hear the academic side and their eyes kind of glaze over. I can relate to that. That can be me sometimes. But yeah, it's a, it's an acronym and it's called MAPS. M-A-P-S. MAPS. M-A-P-S. MAPS. It's super simple. And it's something that uh, I like to keep in my back pocket for when I have these kind of conversations. Um, I don't claim to have it like memorized or anything like that. But it, it's a helpful thing to remember. So you're like... When you have these conversations with someone and on if the Bible is true, if you can rely on it, if it's something that, man, was it something that, is it like this document that people just changed over the years to match what was mm -hmm. going on, you know, all that different kinds of stuff. You, I think you want to be prepared to, yeah. to be able to point someone in a direction that could help them see that, no, actually, I think the Bible is reliable and that it's, it's something that you could stake your life on and feel really good about as a historical document, having yeah. some proof. That's great. Let's let's start with M. What's M? Yeah, well, M is manuscripts, and uh, a manuscript is a copy of uh, some kind of writing, and so that's basically what a manuscript is. And so, when you look at the Bible, um, obviously, there's been many manuscripts that have been written, like making copies of different biblical texts, uh, whether that's mm -hmm. books of the Bible or or multiple books of the Bible. And uh, when you look at uh, a documents historical validity reliability basically what an archaeologist or other people are going to look at uh, people who are much smarter than me they're going to look at the number of manuscripts and they're going to compare uh, the difference in those manuscripts and see if they're actually concise if they're if they're the same and that's a way for them to measure the validity of said historical document yeah it's a way it's a way to say hey uh, okay we have these however many manuscripts they all look about the same 
So we can reasonably infer that this was written this way. Mm. Um, and so it's really interesting, you know, and they do this with all kinds of books, not just the Bible, like, um, you know, Homer. Yeah, Homer's Odyssey. The Odyssey, yeah, the Iliad, like they would look at those books. And and honestly, outside of the Bible, those are kind of the gold standard of like manuscript collections. Like you could look at those and, and say to yourself, oh, those are really historically accurate. Accurate, yeah, reliable. What's crazy though is that compared to those documents, the Iliad, the Odyssey, all these ancient manuscripts that we have, the Bible just blows it out of the water mm. on yeah. a number of manuscripts and accuracy. Uh, there's the uh, story of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Some of you may know this, but basically uh, there was this shepherd boy walking through these caves. In, um, he was throwing rocks, right? Yeah, he was throwing rocks. And like threw one into a cave. Yeah, which country was that? Was it in Israel? I, it was right next to the Dead Sea. Okay, yeah. So it was like, it, you know, the theory is that uh, Jewish people were living in these caves, uh, which is true. Um, and this shepherd boy was walking around. He's throwing these rocks. And as he's throwing these rocks like he normally did in these caves, he heard this crash, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, he went up and saw what it was. Obviously, he heard like a pot break. And he gets up there and there's all these scrolls. And uh, it's really interesting. They got these scrolls and they're like, what are these scrolls? Like, man. What do they, you know, what do they mean? What do they say? There's all this, you know, Hebrew writing on it. And they took it in. It was manuscripts of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. What's crazy about these manuscripts is that they were written before Jesus was even around. Wow. Yeah. So BC. So like this is like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember if it was like 50 or 100 years before Jesus. But people found these manuscripts and they're like, oh, this is going to prove that the Bible is fake. They changed it after Jesus. Mm. So they took like a book like Isaiah, um, which is an Old Testament book, and they're like, okay, we're going to compare it to see the accuracy between like today's version of Isaiah and the version of Isaiah in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And you know what's crazy? They found almost no differences. Wow. In today's version versus the Dead it's Sea like Scrolls. It's like basically original copy. Yeah. I mean, this is like old, old. You know, you don't have copies of this, of other things, uh, like the Iliad or the Odyssey. And uh, there were differences, but there were words like a or the, you yeah, know, like, like, in, like things that, that were not significant at all. Um, and that's just one example of the manuscripts. Like the Bible has tons of manuscripts. And you look at these manuscripts, you compare them. There's no book like the Bible that you can say, man, it's actually what it said when it was originally written is what it says now. And uh, that should give you great hope. And reading the Bible that it's it's accurate. Man, that's awesome. I love that. Let's uh let's move on to the A. Archaeology. Yes, I think, you know, this is for me, like this is a really cool one. Like I grew up watching like Indiana Jones and stuff like that. For all of you at Kaleo right now who haven't watched Indiana Jones, watch uh Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's it's just like so one of good. the best movies of all time. It is. And yeah, like uh it'd be a good blast from the past for me, but get, make sure you have like a really big screen, like that's how it was intended to be watched. In the yeah, movie. do that. Do that as a degree date. Do a Raiders of the Lost Ark movie night. Yeah, that would be sick. That would be sick. Uh, you won't regret it. But um, yeah, archaeology. Like basically, it's it's uh, do historical findings corroborate the Bible? And what corroboration means is do they agree with it? So archaeology will never disprove anything. Uh, when you find something in archaeology, it's not. You're never gonna. It can't disprove anything because you might find something else that actually proves it later Mm -hmm. on right Um, but you can find things and if these things line up with uh certain things you could say oh okay that that's probably true how that happens so for a long time i think a really interesting one 
was there's the book of Daniel mm. in the Old Testament. And uh, basically, there's, there's a figure in the book of Daniel named Belteshazzar. And historians were like, that guy doesn't exist. He's we never heard. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Belteshazzar, he's, he's fake. Yeah. Um, and they're like, this king doesn't exist. Like, there, you know, there's never anybody like this. Well, it turns out, well, actually, he did. Like, they, found, they ended up finding coins that corroborated that. Um, if you look at the book of Luke, Luke's amazing because he was a doctor. He was a little... So detailed. Super detailed and like couldn't let the details go. And like you you can really corroborate and uh, agree on the findings that Luke uh, paints a picture of the city of Jerusalem where mm-hmm. Jesus was. Yeah. And so there's just things like that you, you find and you're like, man, the Bible is telling the truth. Um, there's archaeology that proves it. There, there are things that line up in archaeology. It's awesome. Let's move on to the P. The P is prophecy. Yeah, the um the prophecy section is really interesting because it's uh you know basically the Bible makes these claims uh unlike any other book that uh things are going to happen in the future. And like um so take uh the city of uh Tyre. It's a it was a Phoenician city in the Old Testament and over and over again you see these prophecies that the city of Tyre is going to be destroyed. Like lots of countries are going to hate it. Well, eventually it came to pass and so um, really interesting stuff. You know, I think from a prophecy standpoint, like people will be like, well, you know, didn't they just change that after the actual events happened? Mm. Maybe one of you guys have heard that. Maybe, you've, you know, there's like conspiracy theories about that. And, and while I understand that, uh, I think going back to the Dead Sea Scrolls, you can look at the book of Isaiah and the prophecies that many people would say, uh, were written in after are concretely written in the book of Isaiah before Jesus was around, like Isaiah 53. Yeah, that's like, the one that comes to mind. Yes. If you look at Isaiah 53, you can't read it and not think about Jesus and it, it predicting Jesus. The craziest part of that to me, too, is the way that it describes a crucifixion. And crucifixion wasn't even a form of, of torture or execution at the time when Isaiah 53 was written. Yeah, his feet will be pierced, right? I mean, it's like it makes all these claims. And you read it and you're like, wow, that's crazy. In fact, you know, I was sitting with a guy. It was a really interesting story. I was on a plane with a guy flying to Tucson. He grew up Baptist, but he converted to Judaism. Uh, Whoa. Strangely enough, uh, you know, I think his wife was Jewish, so it was just kind of convenient. He didn't really have a good reason. Yeah. But I asked him, I was like, hey, man, you ever read Isaiah 53? And uh, I pulled it out and we looked at it together and and, uh, he goes, wow. He's like, that kind of looks like like Jesus. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Like it does look like Jesus. And I was like, have your rabbi ever talked about Isaiah 53? And he's like, not that I can remember. And in fact, in a lot of synagogues, they just skip over Isaiah 53 Mm -hmm. because it looks like Jesus so much. It's such a strong prophecy, but it was written before Jesus was around. We have proof for that. We have evidence for that. And we have evidence that that happened. And what's crazy is that's just one example. It's an it's a big, a uh, huge one, but it's just one of yeah. many, many. One example of thousands and thousands of prophecies fulfilled. Whether these are related to Jesus or not, um, you think about Jesus prophesying that the Jewish temple would be destroyed, and then it was eighty seventy. It was mm-hmm. completely destroyed, and like not just destroyed, like demolished. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a that's a turning point in history for the Jews, and Jesus said it would happen. Uh, and it was reliably written before that happened. So mm-hmm. um, prophecies, yeah, the prophecies give a lot of reliability in their fulfillment uh, to the Bible as well. That's awesome. Let's wrap up the acronym M-A-P-S. 
Yes. And I think this one is pretty straightforward. It's just statistics. And yeah. so like you take all those other three and it's kind of a culmination of those three. It's like, how could you combine all three of those things? And the fact that the Bible was written over 1500 years by so many different authors on different uh, continents, yeah. you know, it's crazy at space. Like and it's it, impossible. It's impossible. And, and, and what what's impossible about it, Logan, is that it all makes sense. Like, it all fits together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you had the largest game of telephone in the world, like you would absolutely fail. Or you'd like, butcher it. Yeah, you would butcher it. But the Bible makes sense every time. It points to Jesus. The whole storyline points to Jesus and him dying for us to save us. And the whole theme makes sense. It doesn't contradict itself. And just the statistics of how something like that could come together. Man, that blows my mind. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, and if and if those things don't convince you that the Bible is reliable, um, I don't know what can. Yeah. Like I, I think uh, we believe a lot of things with a lot less evidence. Yeah, yeah. Than we that, do. like you know, we were talking earlier. Like I believe that when I go to a gas station and I put unleaded gasoline in my car, that it's not going to explode. I'm like, I don't know anything about gas. Yeah, like you know, I'm just trusting it, Katie. She might know Katie Gorslin. Yeah. You know, like our engineers here. Katie up and ask her, but yeah. I don't. I don't know that. You know, I don't I, I believe that when I turn a switch in my house that the electricity is going to turn on. I have no reason to believe that yeah. outside of someone told me that one time, but it happens, yeah. right? And I believe that's going to reliably do that. Well, the Bible presents so much more. It's like, hey, here are all these reasons why you should believe it. And uh, yet still some people are like, Man, it's not reliable it blows my mind yeah you know i mean it's just to me it's obvious that just the holy spirit's fingerprints are all over it yeah absolutely man absolutely it could not have been created without god behind it